Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 1. And I want to read this to us um, in the um, Amplified Bible. In this freedom, Christ made us free and completely liberated us. Stand fast then and do not be hampered or held ensnared and submit again to a yoke of slavery which you have once been put off. And read that again. In this freedom, Christ has made us free and completely liberated us. Stand fast then and be not hampered and held ensnared and submit again to a yoke of slavery or in the King James's yoke of bondage which you have once put off. That's amazing, isn't it? Lord, just bless these words that we share this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the text here, the scripture begins with a clear and refreshing statement of Christ's will for us. And I'm just going to ask us to really focus on this message because, you know, the one way that the devil tries to keep us from experiencing our freedom and experiencing our joy as a believer is to distract us from actually hearing the Bible. Because the Bible is really what created the world, it's what fashioned the world, and it's what keeps the world together, the Word of God. God spoke the worlds into existence, and they they are what they are today by the power of God's Word. And that's how God works in our lives. God speaks into our personal lives His promises, like we heard from Pastor Tony. God speaks these promises and he creates something that wasn't there before. And that's why when we look at freedom and when we look at bondage or slavery, then we can see a great difference between the two. What's the difference between freedom and slavery? Very basically, it's the word of God. If God's word is present, then in John chapter 8, verse 30 and verse 31, there's going to be freedom in our life if the word of God is not present then there's going to be bondage and there's going to be slavery and there's going to be a lack of liberty and so sometimes we get bog- we get bogged down in our lives and questions about God's will and we often worry about decisions we are which are simply they're simply not a great issue with God Sometimes we put so much time into thinking about things like where I'm going to go to school, what I'm going to do for work, where am I going to live, and we don't spend as much time as we should whether, as, whether or not I'm, I'm standing in the liberty that God has given me as a believer. Why is that important? Because in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, stand fast in the liberty that you have in Christ, right? And King James, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. I want to speak practically to us this morning because the devil cannot steal, the devil cannot steal our salvation, Kenny. What he'll try to do is he'll try to steal your joy. He'll try to steal our peace. He'll try to steal our love. He'll try to steal any aspect of the fruits of the Spirit in our life. He'll try to steal loving kindness. He'll try to take away your peace. He'll try to take away your joy. And how he does that is is just through many different ways. And I love that verse that was read for the offering this morning, that Abraham 
did not consider his age. He did not consider his condition. A lot of times we look at our lives and then we look at our condition. And we, that word consider, I believe, in the Greek language is logizomai, which means to make a calculated decision based on circumstances. And I look at my circumstances in my life and I make decisions based on those circumstances. Oh, I can't do that because of my circumstances financially or my health or uh, I am emotionally wounded or I'm upset at somebody. I can't do that. The devil wants to try to steal our liberty and wants to steal our freedom. And how does he do that? He, first of all, gets us focused on the details of our life and he gets us focused on maybe even the details of what is happening in the world that we are living in. I was in Kazakhstan. I was in actually three countries. I was in Turkey, I was in Kazakhstan, and I was in Kyrgyzstan. And when I was in Kazakhstan, I met a guy there. And this guy is a very interesting guy, young man. He works in the military, in the Kazakh military. And what he does there is, um, I can't really tell you what he does because they'd have to kill me, no, <laughs> because it's being recorded. But what he does, he does something in the military. And he told me, he's, very, he's a captain in the military, and he said to me, he said, uh, right now there's a, a lot of fear and concern about what's happening in the world. And many countries in this part of the world are preparing for a third world war. They are doing a military stockpiling of of weapons and missiles and things like that. And it's all happening in a very quiet way. And he said to me, he said, I wonder, because he said with this fear on, a, on his face, it was unbelievable. He said, he said, I wonder what I would do if I, was, if I found myself in a war and I had to kill somebody. And he was so concerned about this and he was so worried about it. And we talked for a while, and we just discussed about not having a spirit of fear. You know, the spirit of fear is not the spirit of God. Anytime that we live in fear about things, we're functioning outside of God's thoughts. Because there's no fear in love, is there? In the love of God, there's no fear. And if we struggle with fear, it's impossible for me to cast down fear, because it can be such a part of us, can it? You ever try to cast down fear, and you just get more afraid, or... You can't get rid of it. And this is how the devil tries to get us into bondage or to get us into captivity. He gets us, number one, to think about your personal, or your personal circumstances. Number two, and that can be a wide range of things. My finances, my health, my family, what's happening in my personal life, my failures. Um, and then number two, he tries to get us self to be a, to function in self-consciousness when I'm just living aware of just living in my own self-consciousness what I want or what I cannot do or and these things can actually be a a a, a stealing of our liberty why has Christ set us free Christ has set us free because and I think it's just I think the battery on this Thing is going. That's why it's cutting out like that. So, um, why has Christ set us free? Well, it's Christ's will for us to really enjoy our freedom. It's really Christ's will that 
we would not be in bondage to our circumstances or ourselves. And this is something that we have to guard in our life, to guard our liberty. And how do we do that? First of all, it just begins at this point where I have to understand and learn how to take a temperature of what my soul, what's happening in my soul. Do you know what I'm talking about? Taking a temperature. You know, sometimes we, when we're not feeling good, we just pop in a thermometer and we take our temperature, correct? But there's also something that we could learn to do in our life is taking the temperature of our soul. Taking the, getting an understanding of where am I at in my soul and am I trusting in, in God? Am I depending on His grace? And this is really where we get delivered from bondages in our life. Sometimes we can become in bondage to another person, like another person's expectations of you. You know, like sometimes people have expectations of you at work or in your family or that are close to you, and actually this can put us into some kind of bondage, right? Right? Have you ever been in that kind of a situation where somebody expects something from you and you don't know if you can measure up and you're afraid to fail them? Well, that's bondage. And that's not liberty in Christ. That could happen with our own expectations. Sometimes our own expectations and our own concepts of ourselves so, go so far beyond what even God expects that it's not even realistic. And so our expectations have to be really expectations that come from God. Because there's only one thing that we can count on in our flesh, and that is what? Absolute failure, right? I mean, we, we want to be reliable people, but there's only one person in my life that's reliable, and that's Jesus Christ. And that makes us very dependent on grace. That makes us very dependent on God. And I want to just park here for a minute that you know, slavery is when we try to, in some way, earn favor from God in any other way outside of faith in the grace of God. Let's make that, let me say that in a different way. Slavery, mental slavery, or I lose my joy, or I lose my peace, or I lose my love, whenever I start thinking outside of God's grace in my life. Everything that we look at in our life, my kids, how my, about my kids' future, or my grandkids, or my career, or my future, how am I processing that? Am I processing it in my sense of my own expectations, what I want to happen, or, and how I'm going to make that happen? Or am I going to process this understanding that God is very gracious and that God wants to bless us and that God wants to turn things around in our lives to be a blessing. I was driving up here this morning and um, I, had talked, I had talked with a few of you this week uh, when I had come back and it was so great to hear that, you know, the short time that I was gone, that God had answered so many prayers, that God had answered prayers in people's lives. And that's amazing to see how God had, been, had brought in things that some of you had been waiting for a while. Because trials never last forever. Tough times never last forever. When Jesus said to his disciples, when he got on the boat with them to cross over the, over the Galilee Sea, he said, let us cross over to the other side. 
Halfway through, there was the storm. But Jesus said, let's cross over to the other side. Isn't that amazing? That Jesus says to you and I, let us pass over to the other side in your marriage. Let us pass, let's, pass, let's pass through to the other side in your family. This morning I got very, I woke up very early because of jet lag. I'm, I'm awake at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, I was just thinking about, you know, some of the things that we could do in the fall. And one thing that I'd like to do here is have a seminar in our church and cover relationships about marriage, uh, being a single parent, raising kids, uh, married life, dating, all of these subjects that can come up in relationships. Maybe what we could do is, is have uh, a seminar in the evenings for a few days and have special speakers come and invite people in the area to come out and hear very helpful, practical seminar on relationships and family and then marriage. Wouldn't that be great? How many people would enjoy something like that? I think that we could all get something out of that. And this is the way that, see, because the devil never wants you to understand the joy and the freedom that we can have in Christ. When someone says, hey, you know what, I have freedom, I can do anything I want, I can live the way I want, no one tells me anything, anything I'm supposed to do, I, I don't listen to anybody, I just do what I want. But that person is more of a slave than anyone else. Do you know why? Because they're a prisoner of their own desires a prisoner of their own fleshly lust. They're a prisoner of their own fleshly minds, which is so limited. Our mind is so limited in the flesh when we're not quickened in the spirit about God's plan and God's grace. When a person says, I don't need anyone to tell me what to do, that person is not free. They're actually deceived and they are a prisoner to their own desires and their own concepts and their own fears. Grace, we've all heard grace being an acronym for God's riches at Christ's expense, right? We've all heard that. But there's another acronym that I think we can, I read this this morning and I thought it was a good one. God's rescuing and caring exertion. God's rescuing, which God rescues us. God rescues us, right? How many have been rescued by God? even in the details of our life. I, we have, when we were in, in um, Kyrgyzstan, I had never been to a conference that had been so attacked by the devil. Uh, it was so crazy, and it was such an anointed time. And in Kyrgyzstan and in Kazakhstan, in that part of the world, there's a lot of witchcraft, and communism, witchcraft, and just, because it's Asia. It's a very old place there, and there's a lot of old demonic activity that's there and we didn't even realize uh, and there's something beautiful happening in the churches there just a renewal in the in our churches and on the way to the conference we had three hungarian girls get into a very serious accident and um, they were uh, taxi were taking a taxi to the camp which is like a few hours of a drive and the taxi uh, the tire blew out and the car flipped four or five times and uh, crashed into like a Jersey concrete barrier. And um, people die on that road all the time. And uh, these girls were able to climb out of the car. It was a Mercedes, it was an older Mercedes, and there was no roof left on the car. And uh, one of, uh, two of them had severe concussions. One of them had like very serious hand injury that required a lot of surgery. One had a back injury. 
and uh, one had nothing happen to them, just a scratch on her hand, on her hand. And it was amazing. I saw a picture of what the car looked like after. It looked like a it looked like someone had taken a Coke can and crushed it, and and just threw it on the street. It was just so bad. And then and they survived. They were in the hospital for several days. There was an amazing divine appointment in the hospital, um, and. Uh, God rescued them in that circumstance. While they were at the hospital, they met a young girl that was 14 years old. And you know that that part of the world, Islam, is very strong. And uh, it was a little girl. She was 14 from a Dunga tribe. And it's a very, um, it's a tribe that doesn't integrate with other ethnic groups. And so it was very Muslim. And uh, she had been taken as a wife by another uh, Muslim man, and he would beat her, and he would just abuse her, and uh, she'd been in the hospital twice. This was her second time in the hospital, just a 14-year-old girl, and she was two months pregnant, and after the first time she had been uh, beaten up and went to the hospital, she ran away, and she ran back home, and her parents said, you know, you can't come here, you're married now, and they were just afraid of what would be done to them if their daughter came back because it was a very strict Muslim culture and so our Hungarian girls were there they don't speak Russian and this little girl she's 14 she didn't speak any English so the conditions at the hospital are very very simple it's like our hospitals maybe in the 40s or in the early 50s just a bed and just very simple and so this girl's laying on her bed and she had like um uh, some injuries, and uh, one of our girls, Sylvie, she would just smile at this girl, just smile, and just give her hugs, and kind of just love her, just with, but they couldn't even talk, and over the, over the days, they just got kind of like, this young girl was so ministered to by our, by our, the girl that was from our church there, that uh, the Hospital staff came and said that the little girl has to go to now another room. And the girl came over to Sylvie's bed and just kind of just had a sad face and shrugged and just kind of motioned that she has to go to another room. And so when we came there to visit them, uh, we just so happened to have a Kyrgyz family with us that was at the camp. And in a Muslim culture, you just men can't walk up to girls and talk to them, especially married women. Because it could, they could get into a lot of trouble, and uh, it's just not accepted in the culture. Men are men were, are men are with men, women are with women, and and so the Hungarian girls asked us if the, the Kyrgyz family that was with us could go and talk to the girl, and share the gospel. And so this this Kyrgyz woman went in and shared the gospel with this girl, shared the whole gospel with her. And she heard about the love of Christ. And I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that the word of God does not come back void. God's rescuing plan, God always has a plan in a hospital. And sometimes when we are finding ourselves in a hospital, uh, how many of you know the story of Richard, Richard Wormbrandt? He, was, he got tuberculosis and he was sent to the room called the dying room, where everybody that got tuberculosis went to that room and died. And he was in that room living there for two years. Usually they just last for a few weeks and then they would die. So what would happen is he had this terrible condition of tuberculosis and coughing. And, and then 
then they would send these people in there. He would lead them to Christ, and then they would die. One right after another, one right after another. This happened for two years. And Richard Wormbrandt, a Romanian pastor, put, in the, put into prison for his faith by the communists, didn't die. And he led so many people to Christ. God has a plan in the hospital, doesn't he? He really does. God's rescuing. God rescues us, and he rescues us from the bondages that are in the world. The second, the, the next couple letters, God's rescuing and caring exertion. You know what caring exertion means? It's like 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. Paul said, I worked harder than any of them, though I was not, it was not I, but the grace of God which was with me. God's Grace is God's exertion or God's energy in our life. God's grace is present to help us in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Some of us go through difficulties on our own, and we don't know how to depend on the grace of God. And what we do is, is we just say, okay, I'm gonna just gonna, I'm gonna bear down, I'm gonna grin, and I'm just gonna bear it. That's just not God's will. God wants us to become dependent on Him in circumstances. That's what that's how God's 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 plan is executed in our life. Because any other way, when we depend on our own selves and our own physical ability, we're in bondage. We're in slavery. When I just trust my religious flesh to get me through circumstances and not sin, that's just bondage, isn't it? Like how many of us have ever promised ourselves that we're not going to sin again anymore? Maybe in a certain area of our life. We've all done that. We've We've made a deal with God. Okay, God, if you don't punish me, I'll never do this again. It's like, what is that? It's basically making a deal with our flesh, our fallen Adam, that part of us that is not eternal, that cannot do the will of God, and we just become in bondage to a religious program, right? We beat ourselves up, right? We just beat ourselves up for a few days, you know? We just say, I'm bad, and, you know... And then, and then we just give ourselves a program. It's like New Year's resolutions, right? It's like we get to New Year's. What a, what a way to start. What a, a way of like bondage to start your New Year. I promise myself I'm going to lose 20 pounds. Or I promise myself I'm never going to do that again. Or, I promise myself I'm going to turn over a new leaf. You know? The problem is the leaf is from the same tree. It's just going to be the same leaf, whatever side it is. We need a brand new tree. And you know something? That's so much bondage, isn't it? I promise I'm going to do this for God. And just it's bondage because we make a deal with the flesh. And that's we try to bribe God. And we try to make a deal with God. But that's not, there's no freedom in that. There's no joy. And there's no dependency on God. The, deal, the thing is, is that when we reject Christ and God and his merciful grace in our life, then we begin, we come in, we... we we come into slavery, we lose our joy, we lose our peace, we lose our joy, and we enter into a deal with the flesh. I just want to close with this, is that the key to, the key to freedom, in Psalm 51, um, David said this, he said, renew a right spirit within me, and restore unto me the joy of my salvation. You know, the key to freedom in our life is depending on the grace of God. That means that God's rescuing and caring exertion in our lives for today and now 
And when we are when we are free, we are free when God freely comes to help us, and we joyfully trust His help instead of turning to the yoke of the law. What has God made us free with, free from? And I want to finish with this. Number one, He's freed us from the power of sin. In James one verse twenty five, He's made us free from the power of sin. We're no longer slaves to sin. Number two, He's made us free from the punishment of sin. In Romans chapter 6, verse 22. He has set us free from the punishment of sin. And number three, he's redeemed us from being lost. You know, sometimes we hear these very tragic stories of people that just get lost and then they're and they get lost in their life and then they die. It's like that doesn't happen to you and I because we are redeemed by the grace of God. There's never going to be a time when you're alone and God's not with you. We could always depend on God's grace of being there. Number four, and that's Romans 8, verse 2, redeemed from being lost. Number four, being, we are free from the fear of death, Romans 8, verse 21. I don't know about you, but there are these photos that are circulating on the Internet and on newspapers and magazines of people being killed uh, in the Middle East for uh, their faith. And, I mean, I don't look at them, but some of them are quite graphic. I did see one photo of a person that was about ready to lose his life because he was a Christian in a radical Muslim place where, uh, in Iraq. And, by the way, we really want to be praying for these Christians uh, in northern Iraq. Uh, they are really being, um, we really, they just really need our prayers. And... There was this one, one man who was about ready, he was about within, within seconds of losing his life. And they had a, a picture was snapped of him, of his, just his face. And I'll never forget the face. I mean, this is a man who was about to lose his life within seconds. And I looked at his eyes, and I'll never forget this picture. There was so much peace in his eyes. And I'd never seen anything like that before. I mean, you see, you know, you see people that are going to lose their lives, and they're probably just a, a look of horror and fear. But this man had so much peace in his eyes. He was like Stephen in the book of Acts where he was being stoned and he looked up and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And he had so much peace because this young man, he was probably in his early 20s, mid-20s, was not in bondage in Romans 8 verse 21 to the fear of death. He knew where he was going to go after he was going to die. And he knew he had. it was okay with him that he was going to lose his life because of of being associated with Christ and being a Christian. And that's really a miracle. And number five, God has set us free from the condemnation of the law. Galatians 5, verse 1. Do you know, when we, when we break one of the Ten Commandments, there's that automatic sense of fear and separation from God. But there's nothing that can separate us from God in Galatians 5, verse 1, because we are in Christ. We are in grace. And I want to, I say, I speak of, we speak a lot about this in our church because God will work in our life to the measure that we trust and we have expectation in His grace. Now, let me say that a different way. God's going to work in your life to the measure that you are trusting that He is for you. How much is God for you? You say, well, I'm not really the best Christian. You know, I'm not the best amazing person. Your Christianity and what God wants to do in your life has nothing to do with how good you can be or how amazing you can be. 
actually has nothing to do with you and I. It all is based on who Christ is and what he did on the cross. So let's get ourselves out of the picture. Let's get our guilt out of the picture. Let's get our history and our track record out of the picture and just look at God. Are you struggling with something in your life? Just look at God. Are you, are you failing or are you upset at yourself or are you disappointed? Look at God because when we look at him and get our eyes off of our circumstances, then we discover that we are free and that we can just live with great vision. And then we can live just fear from, we can live, we can live free from fear. Because fear is just not God's will. I just think that God wants to bless a lot of us here. Are there things that are not resolved in your life? Are there things that you just want to see God do? Just wait on God and look at God because He's going to bring it to pass. Because God's, how's it, God's plan, God's, um, God's rescuing and what was the other one? Caring exertion. Like God is exerting himself to care for us. And so this is why we have our freedom. And stand in it. Just make sure you guard that. And whenever you lose your joy or you lose your peace or you lose your any aspect of the, of the fruit of the Spirit, just take a moment and say, God, I need to get repositioned in the love of God. And I need to keep my eyes on God's love because God is for you. Amen. And God is for this church. God is for each one of us here. And there's a lot of great things that are happening. And, and I'm excited about to see what God wants to do. And uh, we're just going to have an amazing August. We're going to have an amazing fall. And uh, the sky's the limit for us. Amen. Amen. So let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for this awesome church, these awesome folks. Lord, thank you for your work in our lives. Thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you for great peace that pervades our soul today, that we can have expectation. Our expectations are not based on what we can perform, but our expectations are on the Word. God said it, and we believe it, just like the old saying back in the 80s. God said it, uh, we believe it, and that settles it. Amen? Amen. Amen.